0: The fourth commandment. Our study of the Ten Commandments. The Spirit has written upon our heart to want to serve the Lord according to his word. We've come to the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. If you go in the back of your hymnals to page 891, page 891, we come to Lord's Day 38. For a summary of what the Bible teaches about the meaning and the purpose of the fourth commandment, Lord's Day 38. What is God's will for you in the fourth commandment? First, that the gospel ministry and schools for it be maintained, and that especially on the festive day of rest, I diligently attend the assembly of God's people to learn what God's word teaches, to participate in the sacraments, to pray to the Lord publicly, and to bring Christian offerings for the poor. Second, that every day of my life I rest from my evil ways. Let the Lord work in me through his spirit and so begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. Then let's turn in our Bibles to Acts 17. And then 20, Acts 17, page 1100. We'll read verses 1 through 4. Page 1100, Acts 17, verses 1 through 4. We'll see here the transition, the Christian church from the Jewish Sabbath, Saturday in the synagogue to the Christian Sabbath, the first day of the week in the church. Acts seventeen one through 4. Now, when they, Paul and Silas, had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in as was his custom. And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead. And saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. And then Acts 20, sometime later, Paul and Silas come to Troas, Acts 27 through 12, page 1104. Acts 20, verse 7 on the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. He conversed with them a long while until daybreak. That's a long service. And so departed, and they took the youth away alive and were not a little comforted. May God bless this word to our hearts and lives. Brothers and sisters, in Jesus Christ, I have a Simple question for you, can you come shopping tomorrow with me or with me tomorrow afternoon? Your answer might be, sorry, I have a doctor's appointment at 2.30. Or I might ask, can you come, not me, somebody might ask, can you come to the bridal shower next Saturday morning? Sorry, I have to work that morning. Or you might be asked, can you come to a meeting next Thursday night? Sorry, I have a hair appointment. Or you might ask, can you come to the birthday party next Sunday afternoon? Sure, no problem. I have an appointment with God at 3 o'clock, but I can easily skip that. Why is it? Why is it that we skip church much more easily often than work or hair or health? So many appointments we have we can't skip, but the one with God on the Lord's Day? Got room to move there. We'll fly home from Alberta or Florida on Sunday because we have to go to work on Monday, right? We should ask, wait, didn't I have an important appointment on Sunday too? Even more appointment, important appointment than the one on Monday? So why do Christians in our culture let worship take the hit on our calendars much more easily than work? We'll let worship take the hit much more easily on our calendars than work work. Why? Pretty obvious. It has to do with our view of what's important in life. And in the fourth commandment, God says to us, you have an appointment with me on the Lord's day, the first day of the week. And it's the most important appointment on your calendar to keep with more impact on your life than anything else, any other appointment you have on your calendar for this week. We say, sorry, I have an appointment with God. We want to see this afternoon the positive purpose, the pressing practice and the purifying power of Sabbath keeping, positive purpose of the Sabbath. The first or the fourth commandment is the first commandment that starts with a positive do rather than a negative don't starts with a you shall rather than a you shall not. The first three, God says you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves a carved image. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Important laws stated in the negative. But in the fourth one, God changes it up and he tells me what we shall do rather than what we shall not do. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. There's a not. You shall not in the fourth commandment. But it's surrounded by you shalls. There's a don't, but it's surrounded by do. This is to say... That too often in church history, both among Jews and Christians, the negative has taken center stage, the don'ts. And the do has taken backstage. And that's when a spirit of legalism takes over where we forget the proper focus and the positive purpose of the Sabbath. will look around and say, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be doing that. Or how can you be doing that? And forgetting that, am I myself focusing on what should be done? What's most important? You see, in the beginning, when God instituted the Sabbath day, right at creation, the first week, when he instituted the day of rest he set it as a day he set it aside as a day to stop from his work to enjoy all his works the bible uses four words what god did on that seventh day number 1 he rested on it number 2 he blessed it number 3 he made it holy He set it apart as a special day. All the days were good. This was a holy day. And number four, Exodus 31 adds, he rested on it and was refreshed. He rested, he blessed it, he made it holy and he was refreshed. You say, God doesn't get tired. No, he doesn't. He was giving it to us. As Jesus said, man wasn't made for Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. He stopped to rejoice in his works, to bless the day in a special way, and be refreshed for us. As an example, a pattern for us, because we need it. He doesn't. We do. It's his gift right at the beginning And so Jesus called himself Lord of the Sabbath when he was rescuing the Sabbath from all the legalistic don'ts. Some of the don'ts are scriptural, but many of them were additional legalistic don'ts. And most of all, because they forgot the positive purpose. Jesus is our rest. Jesus is our focus. God said through Moses, listen to these words in Exodus 31. Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. Why? The Sabbaths are a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, make you holy. It's a sign. The Lord makes you holy. He uses the holy day to make you holy, to sanctify you. It's a sign of that. What an important day. This is the day that God has set aside to make me holy. Oh, he works in me every day of the week, but there's a special day for working in me to make me holy. That's Exodus 31. Also, Exodus 31, verse 17. God says, it's a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. God gave us this day for rest. For rest. Remember your rest. Well, what's that? Rest. Rest isn't sleeping, which we must do every day. No, no, no. Rest means setting a day aside to remember the Lord, rejoice in his works, and take comfort his power and goodness. Okay, Rest means setting aside a day to remember the Lord, rejoice in his works, and take comfort in his power and goodness. And how was Israel to do this? They were to stop their work and recreations in order to gather in their synagogues to worship the Lord. Stop, gather, worship. That was the sequence. Stop, gather, worship. Worship. That's what rest looks like. Stop from your regular work, unnecessary labors, and recreations. Gather worship. That's how rest is to happen. That's not just in the New Testament, brothers and sisters. That's in the Old Testament. Sometimes we talk about the three feast days of Israel Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. And that's true, they were the three annual feasts. But if you look, In Leviticus 23, and you read that later, you see there were four feasts given to Israel. Three were annual ones where they had to go to Jerusalem. The first feast day was the weekly one where they met in their local towns and synagogues. Listen, I'm going to read that. Leviticus 23. These are the appointed feasts of the Lord that you shall proclaim as holy convocations or assemblies. As holy assemblies. They are my appointed feasts. And then God starts with the Sabbath. Work may be done for six days. But on the seventh day there is to be a Sabbath of complete rest. A sacred assembly. A sacred convocation. You are not to do any work. It's a Sabbath to the Lord. Wherever you live. And we must always keep this positive purpose before us. That we don't get lost in what's not to be done, but that rather we get taken up by what is to be done, and then the don'ts sort of fall in place, don't they? What is to be done? Rejoicing in the Lord, remembering and celebrating his works, gathering to worship him, and above all, rest in his saving work. The old covenant people to rest in his rescuing them from Egypt and setting them free from slavery, which is a picture of the new covenant people resting from the ultimate slavery to sin and Satan by the finished work of Jesus Christ, who through his blood, the blood of the Lamb, set us free so we could serve the Lord again. Resting is stopping, gathering, and worshiping the Lord In remembrance of what he has done in creation and salvation. Salvation. So, brothers and sisters, if you're into looking around and complaining how the Sabbath is being broken, and there's certainly room for that, and how people shouldn't be shopping. And how they shouldn't be traveling. And how they shouldn't do this or that or the next thing. While you yourself easily skip church and neglect to celebrate with God's people the wonderful things God has done for us in Christ. You've lost sight of the positive purpose of the Sabbath. So don't harp on others. And how others are neglecting the don'ts if you yourself are neglecting the do's. Let's remember the positive purpose. Again, the don'ts matter. There are don'ts in the fourth commandment. But the you shalls. And what we are to do is the key to rest. You cannot do this and not do that and not do that and not do that. And have no rest because you're not resting in the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Then there's no rest at all. Secondly, the pressing practice the pressing practice of the Sabbath. Stop, worship, or gather worship. What is God's will for us in the fourth commandment? The catechism asks, I love the answer. First, let the gospel ministry and schools for it be maintained. If we're going to have a day focused on the word of the Lord, the word of salvation, you've got to have pastors and you got to have schools to train them, and you got to take care of them, or else we don't really support the main purpose of Sabbath. So first, that the gospel ministry and the schools for it be maintained, and that especially—here's the especially part—on the festive day of rest, I diligently attend the assembly of God's people. That's the important. Practice of the Sabbath that's a pressing matter for our lives. That's what Jesus did. We read in Luke 4, verse 16, that Jesus went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day as was his custom. That was his custom. And that was a custom of the apostles of the apostles as well. We read that in Acts 17. Now, when they, Paul and Silas, had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in as was his custom. And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. Well, you're there, why don't you make better use? That's when they gathered. So Sabbath day, he reasons them from the scriptures that Christ died and rose. And so he proclaimed Christ to them according to the scriptures. He waits seven days. And on the seventh day after that, he does it again. And then he waits another seventh day. And on the following Sabbath, he does it a third time. And that's the custom. Going way back to Genesis and Leviticus. Leviticus. That we stop, gather, we worship, we hear the word. And that's what Paul did. And and the Lord used that to touch their lives. They never had a synagogue service like those three. Imagine if God says, you have an appointment to keep. And it happened to be one of those three Sabbaths. And you'd said, Sorry, I have a beach party. Or whatever. And the Lord has appointed that day to sanctify you, to change your life. Sorry, I have an appointment with God. Well, what did the Jewish people do in the synagogue on the Sabbath day, we wonder? What did their worship look like? And we have records, historical accounts, that here's what they did. Five basic things in synagogue worship. They brought alms for the poor. They sang psalms. They read prayers. They read scriptures. There was a sermon interpreting that scripture, and they closed with a benediction. And Christian worship has followed the synagogue pattern. As the Catechism says, and especially on the festive day of rest, we diligently attend the assembly of God's people to learn what God, God's word teaches, participate in the sacraments, pray to the Lord publicly, both spoken and sung prayers, and bring Christian offerings to the poor. But there's a difference, and we read that in Acts 20. As the Jews are being converted to Christ and the Gentiles are being added to their number, the Christian church begins to do what? Worship on the first day of the week. So there's Paul and Silas. We read in Acts 20, they're rushing on their way to Jerusalem. They want to get there by Pentecost. They're watching the clock, but they want to meet with the church at Troas, and they have to wait five days because it's not until the first day of the week they meet. So, on the first day of the week, they get together and they worship Jesus. We read that in Acts 20, verse 7. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. Why the first day of the week? Jesus himself started it, he rose. On the first day of the week. And that evening he met with his disciples. And then he waited seven days. And then he met with them a second time. And that second time Thomas was there too. He started it. And the church continued it. And that's been the practice of the Christian church throughout the centuries. There's an interesting letter from a pagan governor of Bithynia, a Roman province. Written in 106. So just after the time of the apostles. John has just died. 106. His name is Pliny the Younger. And he's writing to Trajan, the emperor. And he and Trajan are in cahoots with persecuting Christians. And Pliny's been watching their behavior, their behavior of the Christians. And here's what he wrote in a letter to Trajan. On a fixed day, he's speaking about Sunday, the Christians meet regularly early in the morning to sing hymns to Christ as if he were a God. Yeah, he is God. But that's Pliny writing. They meet early in the morning to sing hymns to Christ as if he were a god. And then it's their custom to go home and reassemble later in the day to worship again and take food. It's ordinary food, he said. He's speaking of the Lord's Supper. And one author writes, Hence, although the first day of the week was a work day still, Christians hallowed it at its beginning and end, morning and evening, through corporate worship and celebration of Christ's resurrection. It's really an amazing passage. It's telling us the pattern, the practice of Christian worship from the beginning. And even though it took a while in the Roman Empire for Christians to get the freedom to abstain from work on Sundays... The early church kept Sabbath by diligently assembling the assembly of God's people for evening or morning and evening worship. They were honoring Christ. They understood from the Old Testament that the purpose of Holy Sabbath is holy assembly, sacred assembly. To rejoice in God's work as he does. It still is the weekly feast day of the people of God. Whether you're reading the Old Covenant... Or the new. And what makes it such a pressing matter, congregation, is that this is the day that God has set aside to do a special work in his people. A work we need desperately in our lives to refresh, renew, and recharge the batteries of our faith in this present evil age. And you see Paul preaching Christ crucified and risen from the dead in Thessalonica. And how God worked power in that Sabbath assembly. And some Jews were persuaded, many Greeks and not a few leading women. And then the same over there in Troas. They're breaking bread in remembrance of Christ. Paul's preaching Christ from the scriptures to them. They're being encouraged in their faith. They're being fed the bread of heaven. They're doing this on the first day of the week. It's a pressing need for every believer. It's not a sport. It's an emergency. So we set apart the Sabbath of the first day of the week to meet. We need or we meet to remember. We remember to rest. So we set apart the Sabbath to meet, we meet to remember, we remember the Lord to rest. And if there's no setting aside Sabbath, there's no meeting, there's no remembering, and there's no resting. What happens to your Sabbath, brothers and sisters? This is consistent throughout church history, and you and I will be no exceptions. What happens to your Lord's Day use is what's going to happen to your faith. It really is. You can be a hypocrite and use the Lord's Day and have no advantage. But if you do not use the Lord's Day, you slowly let it fade from your life and become easygoing about it and not be diligent in attending the assembly of God's people, you'll eventually slip away from the kingdom. Because that's the day where God in a special way sanctifies his people. Where he assures you of his love for you. Because sometimes after a week of sinning you think, how can God love me? He reminds us of the work of Christ on the cross. And that our sins are all forgiven. And he fills us with his spirit through the instruction of the word. To teach us how to live so that we might be encouraged and refreshed on our journey in the, to the promised land of heaven. It's like we're like whales or dolphins. You need to come up for air or you won't survive your life and your work in the water, in the ocean. So we need to surface and come up for air on the Sabbath so that we can go back to our work and calling for the rest of the week. The calling God has given us and thrive in it. And that's what we see thirdly. It's purifying power. The Sabbath is not just a day, congregation. It's planted in the middle of the rest of our days. That's what I love about the fourth commandment. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath. It's planted right in the middle. Set apart as a holy day, right in the stream of life, intentionally. And in the Bible, when something is declared holy or someone, that means set apart, but not isolated and disconnected from the rest. When a priest was set apart, he was set apart to serve Israel, to bring the blessings of salvation from God to Israel, set apart for the people. Same with the Sabbath day. It's not disconnected from the rest of life, but it's made holy for the sake of our lives and the rest of the days of the week. It's separation for infiltration. To infiltrate the rest of our days. The Sabbath day is a holy day so that it can influence all the other days of our lives. As Hebrews 4 says, there remains a Sabbath-keeping for the people of God to help us prepare for the eternal rest of heaven. It's to have an impact on our whole life and help us walk through our whole life with greater focus on Christ, who saved us from our sins so that we might serve him. And so the catechism stresses the close connection of this one day with the other days of our lives. Six days of our week. What is God's will for you? In the fourth commandment, we read: Second, that every day of my life I rest from my evil ways. Let the Lord work in me through His Spirit. And so begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. Sabbath is so crucial. Sunday is so crucial. The Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday put you back on your feet. You come up for air divine air, divine bread, and you're nourished to serve the Lord, to face this present evil age, to be faithful, to be reminded of your calling, to fight sin, to witness to your neighbors. It it sanctifies you. It makes you different. Even Isaiah says that if you turn your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your own pleasure in my holy day, says the Lord, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it rather than go in your own ways, rather than seeking your own pleasure, then you shall delight in the Lord. You shall ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoke. I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. The Lord has set up an appointment with us on His holy day, here particularly to meet with us at 9 30 and 3 o'clock. It's a very important appointment to keep because the Lord of all the earth, our Savior, He wants to talk to you, He wants to listen to you, He wants to hear you sing, He wants to tell you you're forgiven. He wants to preach Christ to you. He wants to remind you of your calling. He wants to encourage you in your spiritual family. You're not alone. You belong to a body. He wants to energize you for service. There's so much going on. It's the most important appointment on your calendar, brothers and sisters. And when someone says, I'm coming over to your house at 3, you say, Sorry, I have an appointment with God. Come at 5. 5. Or if someone says, the Christmas dinner is on Sunday afternoon this year, hope to be there at 5. But you'll miss, I'm getting a better dinner here. Come watch over my house, watch NASCAR with me at 2. Sorry, I have an appointment to keep. I have an appointment with God. We have an appointment with God to keep today. Today. So we got to get used to keeping our appointments with him because the most important things that happen in your life happen in Lord's Day worship. The most important things. It's God's great gift to us. Let's make the most of it. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are our Savior. You've accomplished marvelous deeds for our salvation and then appointed a day for us to remember those marvelous accomplishments and rest in those accomplishments knowing that we can't be saved by our works, our hard work but only by your works use this day to remind us of that the songs, the sacraments the ministry of the word the giving of offerings to remind us of that Fellowship with brothers and sisters, the communion of the saints to remind us of that. Lord, we pray that you will help us to make much of the Holy Sabbath. Pray that our children may make much of it. It might not so much be a matter of don'ts, but we might see first of all the do, the remembering, the rest. Lord, show us your way, show us yourself thank you for this great gift. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.